Um, today we're going to be reading uh, Joel 1, uh, 1 through chapter 2, verse 17. And I have not looked over it before now, so bear with me. Uh, Hear this, you elders. Give ear, all inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it, and let your children tell their children and their children to another generation. What the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. What the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. Awake, you drunkards, and weep, and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the sweet wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land, powerful and beyond number. Its teeth are like lion's teeth, and it has the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vine and splintered my fig tree. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it down. Their branches are made white. Lament like a virgin wearing sackcloth or the bridegroom of her youth, for the bridegroom of her youth. The grain offering and the drink are, and the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn, the ministers of the Lord. The fields are destroyed, the grounds mourn. Because the grain is destroyed, the wine dries up, the oil languishes. Be ashamed, O tillers of the soil. Wail, O vine dressers, for the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. The vine dries up, the fig tree languishes, pomegranate, palm, and apple, all the trees of the field are dried up. And the gladness dried up, dries up from the children of man. Put on sackcloth and lament, O priests. Wail, O ministers of the altar. Go in, pass the night in sackcloth, O ministers of my God, because grain offering and drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. Consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God, and cry out to the Lord, Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is near, and the destruction of the Almighty it comes. Is not the food cut off before your eyes, before our eyes, joy and gladness from the house of our God? The seed shrivels under the clods, the storehouses are desolate, the granaries are torn down, because the grain has dried up. How the beasts groan, the herds of cattle are perplexed, because there is no pasture for them. Even the flocks of sheep suffer. To you, O Lord, I call, for fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and flame has burned all the trees of the field. Even the beasts of the field pant for you, because the water brooks are dried up, and fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. Blow a trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It is near, a day of darkness and gloom a day of cloud and thick darkness. Like blackness, there is spread upon the mountain a great and powerful people. Like the, there like never have been before, nor will there be after them <clears throat> through the years of all generations. Fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but behind them a desolate wilderness, and nothing escapes them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like war horses they run. As the rumbling of chariots, they leap on the tops of mountains, like the crackling of a flame of fire, devouring the stubble from a power, like a powerful army drawn up for battle. Before them, peoples are, are in anguish, like faces grown pale. Like warriors, they charge. Like soldiers, they scale the wall. They march each day on his way. They do not swerve from their paths. They do not jostle one another. Each marches in his path. They burst through the weapons and are not halted. They leap upon the city and they run upon the walls. They climb up into the houses and they enter through the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. 
The sun and moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful, for the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders. Gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests and ministers of the Lord weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Good morning, everybody. All right, kids, where are you guys at? Raise up your hands. All right, so first, so Miss Natalie read this passage, and in this passage, we get introduced to this bug. Uh, it's called a locust. Who knows what a locust is? What do you got? A pest. Why is it a pest? What does it do? Way in the back. That's Evie, right? Rainy. Sorry, raining. They jump in the grass. What do they do in the grass? Philly? Okay. What else? Serenity. What do you got? They eat up all the what? All the food. They eat up all the food. That's right. And he says, like, what one kind of locust left, the other ones ate, and with those left, the other ones ate, and with those left, the other ones ate. So like everything is eaten. This is this is maybe maybe a little hard for us to understand because how many of you, when you're hungry in the morning, you just kind of go out to the backyard and get your food off of plants and bring it inside the house? Maybe maybe sometimes, right? If you got a garden in the summer, but where do where do most of us get our food at? Grocery store, right? Maybe Aldi, maybe Walmart. Uh, so let's instead imagine, let's imagine there is this kind of bug that what this bug does is it goes to the grocery store and it just eats all the food on all the shelves, right? So one day, these bugs roll into town, they go to Aldi, they go to Walmart, they eat all of the food. The people at Aldi, they, they freak out. The people at Walmart, they freak out. They're like, we got to get, get more food on these shelves. So they go, they get more food, they put it on the shelves, and the bugs then eat all of that food. Like what? Would, would that maybe, maybe cause you to panic a little bit? Right? There'd be, there'd be no more cereal. There'd be no more eggs. There'd be no more granola bars, no more animal crackers. Everything, everything would be gone. And we wouldn't have anywhere to get food from. Right? That, that would be scary. This is what's going on for, for the people in this passage that we just read. They're in this situation where, where everything has been taken away from them. Uh, and what the author, this guy named Joel, is trying to get them to do is he's trying to get them to, to turn to God, to, to trust in him uh, because of this, this calamity, this, this bad situation that they're in. And the good news for them that we're going to find at the end of this passage is that our God is a God who, who restores what the locust has eaten. 
He, he comes back to his people and comforts them and, and gives them what they need to survive when they trust in him, when they turn to him. And so kids, I would encourage you to go home and, and ask your parents about what they learned from this passage about who God is and how he cares for us as his people. So let's, let's pray and then we'll get into this passage together this morning. Father, we thank you that you are merciful and gracious. That you're slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. That you will relent over disaster. And so we pray that you would, you would use this passage in Joel to, to help us to, to learn more about who you are and, and how you care for us and provide for us as your people, about how you are God who, who is holy and just, who does pour out judgment against sin, but that you also forgive and, and relent and show us mercy and grace. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on our behalf. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So, Today, as, as Natalie read, we're, we're starting the book of Joel. So right, we're continuing in this journey through the minor prophets. Uh, we finished up Hosea last week. So today we turn to Joel. And Joel kind of moves us forward in time about, about 200 years. So Hosea was prophesying before the fall of Israel. Israel falls in like 722 B.C., Ho, or Joel is, is prophesying after they come back from exile in 586 BC, after Judah comes back from exile in 586. So it's, it's after that point at, at some time. So it's about 200 years. So Joel is writing to a nation that's different than Hosea. Hosea was writing to these people. He's saying like, if, if, if you don't return to the, to the Lord, judgment is going to come. You're going to be taken off into exile. Joel is writing to people that that's already happened to. They've been taken off in exile. They've been brought back into the land. And now they're in this situation, this, this calamity, this disaster has happened to them. And Joel is prophesying, telling them kind of how they should respond to what's taken place. And one of the main things that he's going to be talking about is this thing called the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is, is mentioned throughout the prophets but it's, reached, it's mentioned way more frequently in the book of Joel compared to other prophets. It's a time when both Israel and the nations are going to face judgment from God, but also a time in which the people of God are going to be restored to him. So it's kind of a, a, a bad news, good news situation. So he's talking about this, and the book of Joel kind of divides in half at, at the verses we, we read this morning. So right at verse 17 of chapter 2, it's kind of a, the, the halfway point. The first half focuses on judgment against the people of God on the day of the Lord. The second half focuses more on judgment against the nations and the people of God being restored. And so uh, this week we get mostly bad news. Next week we get more good news. And so in the first chapter that Natalie read, we find the details of this, this locust plague. And this is why Joel is writing. This is what kind of prompts this prophecy to take place. These locusts have come in. They, they've eaten all the food. It's a kind of a, a natural disaster. And Joel wants to make sure that the people see it for what it really is. It is, it is an act of judgment against them from God. It, it's the day of the Lord that's kind of been spoken of in the prophets. Judgment has come. It's beginning with the people of God. And as a result, they need to repent and return to the Lord. He's going to tell them about this thing and then uh, more judgment that's coming. And kind of a, a side note before we, before we kind of jump right in. 
I think it's helpful for us to see that, that they're, the people of God are kind of back in the same place. Right? Even though we've moved forward 200 years in time, even though we've moved forward past the kind of biggest example of God's judgment in the Old Testament, the exile of his people out of the land, the kind of the most significant act he took against them to kind of bring them back, even though all that has taken place, they, they went off into exile, he brought them back into the land, they're in the land again, and, and it's like they're in the same situation all over again. They're, they're rebelling against him, they're sinning, they're rejecting him, and so he's coming back, and he's calling them back once more. This, this cycle of sin and rebellion continues. And the reason why I think we need to see this is because, I think maybe Daniel mentioned this last week when he was talking about the Lord's Supper, but that it's, it's, it's really easy for us to look at the people in the Old Testament and think, man, they're, they're, they're so messed up, right? They, they just kind of completely blow it all the time. And maybe to think like, well, well I wouldn't do that, right? right? After the exile, I would have come back and, and I would have got things right. But we need to see this, not to think about how, how, how messed up they are, but to see what's different about us. It's not that we're better, right? The, the cycle of sin and rebellion doesn't stop because of us. It stops because Jesus came, right? We, di- we didn't change anything. He changed everything. And so as we, as we see them in this place, let's not, let's not judge them. Let's not condemn them. Let's see in them the need that all of us have for a Savior and to remember that Jesus came to redeem us. And so this is, this is the place they're in. So the first thing Joel wants them to do is to kind of see what's taken place, to, to take note, to, to remember the, the situation that they're in. There's been this terrible calamity. He says, with the, with the cutting locust left, the swarming locust is eaten. With the swarming locust left, the hopping locust is eaten. With the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. Uh, and the result of this is that, that all the wine is gone. Because he says, a nation of locusts has come. They they were powerful. They were beyond number. They laid waste to the vine. They splintered and laid bare the trees. They destroyed everything. And so the people need to respond with with lament. Because there's nothing to offer in the temple as a grain offering or a drink offering. So the priests mourn. The ground itself is mourned because the fields are destroyed. The the grain is destroyed. The wine is dried up. The oil fails. Uh, everything is bad, and the people's gladness has kind of dried up along with all the crops. So they're in, they're in peril. They're in, they're in a bad situation. So what Joel calls them to do is to repent, and he, and he starts with the priests. He tells them to put on sackcloth. He tells them to, to wail because offerings are being withheld at the temple because they don't have anything to offer. He tells them to, to lead the people in a posture of repentance. He says, consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. He's saying, you need to get everybody together and you need to cry out to God because of the situation that you're in. You see, throughout the Old Testament, these, these things, the, the, the wine, the grain, the oil, they were, they were examples of God's blessing on his people. They would, they would point to these and they would say, see how our God has blessed us. In the same way, when those things are taken away, it's, it's, it points to the fact that God is judging them. He's, he's, he's pouring out his judgment on them. This locust plague, it's not some random event. Right? It's not just happenstance. It's God's judgment, and they need to repent and return to him. So the, the priests are called to, to model out this repentance by leading the people in it, by, by fasting, by calling a solemn assembly. 
And Joel is going to explain all this so they don't miss what he's saying, right? He explains the locust plague starting in, in verse 15. He says, it's the day of the Lord. Judgment has come for the people of God. And then he reiterates all the destruction that's taken place. Verse 16, he says, it's not the food cut off before your eyes. Joy and gladness from the house of the Lord our God. Verse 18, how the beasts groan. Verse 19, to you, O Lord, I call. He's emphasizing that what they need to do to respond to this destruction is to call out to God. He's the one that's caused it to take place, and so he's the only one that can take it away. They're in this terrible situation, and they need to return to the Lord. And then comes chapter 2. In chapter 2, they get more bad news. There's been this this army of locusts that is invaded, that's laid waste to everything. Now it turns the focus to the coming of an actual army who's going to invade them. The, the army of locusts was just kind of a, a precursor. They were, they were a forerunner. Uh, and so Joel calls on them to, to sound the alarm, to, to tremble in fear because the day of the Lord is coming. It's, it's near. He says a great and powerful army is on its way, one like has never been seen before. A fire devours everything in their wake. Before they come through the land, it's, it's like the Garden of Eden. But after they leave, it's a desolate wilderness. They're, they're going to wipe things out. The locusts have already destroyed pretty much everything, but anything that's left is going to be taken out from this army because nothing escapes them. They look, they run like war ho- horses. They're a powerful army. They're, they're drawn up for battle. Verse 6 says, Before them, peoples are in anguish. All faces grow pale. Like warriors, they charge. Like soldiers, they scare the wall. They, they march each on his own way. They do not swerve from their paths. These, these people are threatening. People are scared of them. People run from them. These are the people that are coming to invade Israel after the exile. Verse 11, the Lord utters his voice before his army. He is the one who is bringing this judgment upon them. For his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful. For the day of the Lord is great and very awesome, who can endure it? When it says that it's great and very awesome, it's not like a, a good, great, and very awesome. That's a, that's a bad, very great, and awesome. And the implied answer to that question, who, who can endure it, is, is no one. Right? No one's going to stand up to this army that's coming to pour out judgment on them. So the response is verse 12. Yet even now, declares the Lord, So even now, even when this judgment is on the way, even when it's another judgment after the worst judgment has already been poured out, he says, return to me with all your heart, with with fasting and with weeping and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. The Lord calls them back again. Right? We've seen this over and over and over again. We talked about this last week in Hosea. Right? It it gets to this point where, where none of us would take them back. And yet God calls them back again. Even as judgment is on the way, he calls them back to himself. He wants them to, to rend their hearts, not their garments. He cares about outward obedience. But what he's really after is the heart. He wants them to return to him with their hearts. So Joel calls the people to return. He says, because for God is gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. It's who he is. It's who he's revealed himself to be throughout the Old Testament when he talks about himself, but also in all of his actions with his people. 
Right? Even being in this situation where they come back from exile, they sin again, they rebel again, he still is this person. He still is merciful and gracious. He's still slow to anger. He's still abounding in steadfast love. It says that he's a God who relents over disaster. So Joel is telling him that even in this situation, he might relent. So again, he calls the people to fast. He calls them to call another solemn assembly to, to gather everybody together, even, even infants, even the newlyweds, even the ones that are on their honeymoon. He's like, bring them back. We need to do this together. He's calling on the leaders to, to call out to the Lord on behalf of the people. Specifically, he says, ask the Lord to, to spare them so that they won't bring him reproach among the nations. That's the reason why this matters. It's not because the, the people are significant, but because they're God's people, and they want God to be glorified among the nations. This is the situation that they're in. Judgment has come already in the, in the form of these locusts. They've, they've eaten pretty much everything, and yet there's this army that's coming that's going to do even more damage. And so what the people need to do is they need to return to God. And so the reality is that in this passage, Joel has mostly bad news for us. His, his blessing, God's blessing has gone and his judgment remains. And so it's, it's, it's bad news for them at an already pretty disastrous time. But there's good news too. The good news is that, is that they're not beyond saving. Even though they're in this place, God is still who he is. He still is gracious. He still is merciful. He's still slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He relents over disaster, Joel says. The good news for them is that they have a God they can return to. They have someone they can turn back to, someone who, who will take them back, someone who will restore what the locust has eaten. We're going to find that out next week. And so the good news for us this morning in a passage like this is that even if we were in a situation where some random bug ate all the food at Walmart and Aldi, right, this is who our God is. We have a God who is gracious and merciful. Right, thus far, the minor prophets have shown us repeatedly, over and over again, that God is, is holy and just. And they're going to do that even more as we move through them. He punishes sin and rebellion, sometimes in really harsh ways. But they've also shown us that he truly is merciful and gracious. He really does abound in steadfast love. He really is slow to anger. And so this week, as we, as we go out from this place with, with this passage in mind, Let's remember that this is who our God is. Right? We're not in a situation anywhere close to as bad as they are. And yet our God is still merciful and gracious to us. He still is slow to anger. Right? God is always calling us to return to him with, with all of our heart. Yes, he wants our outward obedience. But more than that, he, he wants our hearts. And the reality is that just like they have reason to return to him because of who he is, so do we. Right? We know who our God is. We know what he's done for us. We know how he loves us because he's demonstrated for us in sending his son into this world to fix what's broken about us and fix what's broken about this world. And so when we fall short today, 
When we fall short this week, let's remember that our God is merciful and gracious. And let's return to him. We don't need to wait for a locust plague. We don't need to wait for an invading army. We don't need to wait for anything because he's always calling us back to himself. And the Lord's Supper that we're going to celebrate in just a minute is, is a way for us to do that right now. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that we don't have to fear an, an army of locusts or an army of humans will, will cut us off from you. Not because of Jesus, we don't have to fear that our sin will cut us off from you. but that you always provide a way to bring your people back. Because it's who you are. You are merciful and gracious. You are abounding in steadfast love. You are slow to anger. And so we pray that you would send your spirit to remind us again who you are. That we wouldn't hide in our sin that we wouldn't run in our rebellion, but that we would return to you knowing that you will restore, you will heal us, you will bring us back, and that you're making us new. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on our behalf. That's in your name we pray. Amen.